But uh, thankful for those who are with us this morning, and we have some visiting with us this morning. Thankful that uh, you are here. I'm going to go ahead and pull up this first slide. The title of the lesson this morning is Where to Look for Hope, and that's John 20, verses 10 through 18, <clears throat> which was read to us this morning, but I'm going to actually add a little more to that from John, the 20th chapter, as we go along. You may wonder why Acts 2 is up there. Well... <laughs> Because we've been studying from the book of Acts. And so actually, I'm going to show a connection between John, hopefully, a connection between John the 20th chapter and Acts chapter 2. So as you think about, and we've been studying Acts 2, and we've moved into Acts 3 now. I want you to think about what is the main event in Acts chapter 2? And we've already gone through that. What's sort of the centerpiece? That is in Acts chapter 2. And sometimes whenever we look at Acts 2, we think, well, uh, well, that's the beginning of the kingdom. That's the establishment of the kingdom. And we kind of focus on that. But I want to ask you, is that the centerpiece? Is that the main event in Acts chapter 2? Or sometimes we talk about Acts chapter 2 and we say, well, that's the beginning of the church. But once again, I want to ask you, is that really the centerpiece? Is that the main event that's taking place there? as Peter is preaching in Acts chapter 2. And then we're going to take a look at John chapter 20 and verses 19 through 21 uh, in just a moment. But I want to remind you, and I'm going to go ahead and pull up that slide there. So the three points from our lesson that we're going to take a look at this morning is where to look for hope, what is hope, and hope is a who. So in studying Acts, the second chapter, Peter preaches what we refer to as that first gospel sermon. And down in about verse 27, talking about Jesus, he says, You will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will, allow, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. And then, in case there's any misunderstanding, he ties that in verse 32 directly to Jesus Christ. Peter says, this Jesus whom God raised up. Now, the reason why I point that out is this. Don't miss the main event in Acts chapter 2. As we stop and think about the scriptures, from the opening bell, Genesis 1 and verse 1. In the beginning, God created. From the dawn of that very first day, and all the history that followed, it was all pointing to Acts chapter 2. And as we now stand here over 2,000 years removed, and if the world goes on for another 10,000 years, and when it ultimately comes to an end, whenever God decides that's going to be, it'll all point back to Acts chapter 2. And the main event, the centerpiece that Peter is talking about in Acts chapter 2. The main event... The centerpiece in Acts chapter 2 is the resurrection. The resurrection is the reason why the kingdom is established. 
The resurrection is the reason why the church has a beginning. That's the main event. That's the centerpiece in Acts chapter 2. Verse 32. This Jesus whom God raised up. That's the centerpiece. The day that God raised him up, that's the day the world changed. The day that God raised him up, that's when your life and my life changed. The day that God raised him up is the day that your view and my view of life changed. The day that God raised him up gives proof that there's life after this life. And that main event changes everything. We read from John the 20th chapter, verses 10 through 18. And in verse 18, Mary is told the disciples that she has seen the Lord. But I want you to notice from John chapter 20 and verse 19 through 21 now. Then, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hand and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Verse 21, so Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. You know what that's saying? Mary had already seen Jesus earlier in the day. She's gone to the disciples and she's told them that she saw him. And where are they on that very same evening? They're back at the house. <laughs> and they're behind closed doors. And the language there suggests it's locked. And the reason why they're behind those closed doors is because they are afraid. They're afraid of fear of the Jews. Look what they did to Jesus. What might they do to us? But then, Jesus stands in their midst. And he says, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. You're hiding now, but now you've seen me. And now that you've seen me, now I'm sending you. Let me tell you what one writer said about that event. He put it like this. He said there's something that happens to a man when he stands next to someone he knows was dead and now they're alive. He said they watched as he was led like a lamb to the slaughter but now death has been overcome. There is something 
that stirs deep down inside when you stand next to the lion out of Judah. Isn't that right? You know what that says? Jesus knew. They were behind closed doors. They had the door locked. But Jesus knew what the truth of the resurrection would do for them. Jesus knew what the truth of the resurrection would do to them. And they left that room. And they carried that message. And they carried that message throughout the Roman Empire and it changed the world. And the world has been changed ever since that day. You know what the resurrection says? The resurrection proves that this life, that this life is not all that there is. The resurrection tells me, the resurrection proves if I die, there's another life that waits for me. You know what the resurrection proves? That in this life, that if I'm crippled in any way, if I suffer any physical affliction in any way, that there's a perfect body that waits for me when this life is over. You know what the resurrection proves? That in this life, maybe I won't have everything that the world has to offer But in the next, there's a mansion that waits for me. Jesus knew, standing in their midst would change them because the resurrection changes everything. Everything. I want to pull up this first slide. Where, where do we look for hope? I want to back up to John, the 20th chapter now. I want to read verses 1 through 6 with you. John chapter 20, beginning at verse 1. It says, Now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved, <clears throat> and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter, therefore, went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there. What John just said. They went to the tomb. And that other disciple, it's readily agreed. That's John. One who's writing this. He looks in and he sees the cloth lying there. Peter comes, he goes in, he sees the cloth lying there. And you know what those two guys do? They have the typical guy reaction. When you see a pile of clothes laying on the floor, walk on by. (laughs) 
And that's essentially what they did. It's kind of like, nothing to see here. You know what they didn't see? They didn't see hope. They didn't see hope. And you know why they didn't see hope? Because they didn't know where to look for hope. Think about this. What kind of a leader, what kind of a Messiah had they been looking for? He was one that was going to come. He was going to turn things upside down. He was going to become the leader right here, right now. And so I'm confident that when Jesus went into the temple and he overturned the money changers' tables, and when he drove them out, and he gave the religious leaders a hard time, I'm sure they looked at that and said, oh, I can see hope now. (laughs) He's going to step up. He's going to take over. A week earlier... When Jesus came riding into Jerusalem and the people were throwing down palm branches and they were shouting hosannas, I'm sure they looked at that and they probably said, I can see hope now. Now he's going to take over. But when their leader was led to the cross and he was laid in that tomb, They lost all hope. And so they go and hide. And so now, when they go and they look in an empty tomb and Jesus is not there, you know what's going on? Hope is staring them in the face. And they can't see it. Verse 9. John chapter 20 and verse 9. For as yet, they did not know, excuse me, for as yet, they did not know the Scripture that He must rise again from the dead. Verse 10. Then the disciples went away again to their own home. Once again, not much to see here. Let's go home. And it says that they did not yet know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Didn't they know that scripture? Yeah, they knew. Jesus had even told them. They didn't comprehend is what it said. they didn't put the pieces together when they looked inside that tomb. That tomb's empty. (laughs) And instead of them seeing hope, they just turn away. Not much to see here. You know, sometimes we just don't know where to look for hope. 
you ever think about this? How sometimes it seems like life can just kind of step on your dreams. Ever think about that? You know, many times in life it can happen this way for various people, not for everybody, for various people. But they think, okay, well, I'm going to go to school. I'm going to get an education. I'll get that degree. And that's kind of my path, my road to success and happiness. And that's the way I'm going to travel. Somebody else might be saying, well, I'm going to get like a skilled trade or something like that. And that'll be kind of my path. That'll be my road. And then as I get a little older, I'll meet someone and I'll get married and I'll have a family. And then we'll get us a nice house. We'll raise our kids. And then I'll retire one of these days. And I'll enjoy those golden years. It'll be great. But then something happens. And it doesn't turn out that way. And then your plans and your expectation, your dreams, they don't turn out the way you had it all pictured. Plans fall through. People let you down. You let yourself down. And then suddenly you realize the life that I had dreamed of, that's all it was. It didn't turn out the way I thought it would. And then one day, you're kind of like those disciples. You know what? I'd like to just go inside, close the door, and lock it, and just shut the world out. You ever been there? Do you ever know anybody that's been there? Do you know anybody that's there now? Sometimes it's like life is hopeless. I think that's where the disciples were in John 20, behind that door. And when they come to that tomb, nothing to see here. Still seems kind of hopeless to me. And sometimes people suffer through life without hope. I want to read verses 9 through 11 again. For as yet they did not know the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. Watch verse 11. But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. She'd come there early in the morning. She'd already looked in there once. And so she stops and she looks in again. Now there's something I think that we need to pay attention to there because John is most readily accepted by most scholars. That John's gospel was last out of the gospels. And that John writing later, he really wrote and he added some things so that it would supplement the other gospels. And some have suggested that John's gospel adds kind of a richness to the gospel story. 
by what he adds. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they tell us what happened. But as one writer says, John tells us how to live with what happened. So, Peter and John leave. And in verse 11, Mary stands outside the tomb weeping. And then she stoops down and she looks in again. You know what? You know what that's like? That's like John saying, hey, you need to look again. Mary had been there earlier. She'd seen inside that tomb. Peter and John came. They looked in once. They left. But John records Mary stayed. And she looked in again. And it's like John is suggesting to us. If you don't see it at first, when you look in that tomb, you need to look again. So John is saying, you know what? The first time I looked in there, I missed it. I missed it. But Mary, she stayed. Peter and I went home. Mary stayed. And she looked in there again. And so what John's saying, I want you to look in there again. Because Mary's doing what we all need to do. We need to look in there again. And see if you can see what John wants us to see. See, because sometimes we don't know where to look for hope. Because you know what happens with some folks? When they're looking for hope, sometimes they look to money. You know, if I just have enough money in this life, everything's going to be good. And so they look to money for hope. But then what happens if you don't get that money? Where'd your hope go? You know what else we ought to add to that too? That no matter how much money that you get in this life, and there's some people that are really, really rich. <laughs> okay. And that you know when you come to the end of life, you cannot buy eternity. You can't buy it. But yet sometimes people look to money for hope. Sometimes people look to pleasure. For hope. I just want to have a good time in life. You ever heard anybody say that? I just want to have a good time. And so they do something, they have a good time. But you know what happens to that good time? It comes to an end. <laughs> so they got to look for another good time. And then that one comes to an end. Pleasure doesn't satisfy. Because it can't be sustained. It doesn't last forever. And so sometimes people say, well, you know, it's education. That's the key. <laughs> but careers and educations don't always pan out. And once again, ultimately, I don't care how smart you are. 
I don't care how many degrees you have. One day life's over. And then where's your hope? Where do you look for hope? Verse 11. But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and she looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. So she looks in again. She didn't get it the first time. But she looks again. And in this time, she's going to get a little heavenly assist. So there's two angels that are sitting there. There's one at the head and there's one at the feet where Jesus had laid. And they ask her, Woman, why are you weeping? And Mary responds, They have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they have laid him. You want the Mary translation of that passage? It's like this. They've taken my hope. And I don't know where they put it. Because you want to know who this Mary is? This is Mary Magdalene. The one whom Jesus had cast out seven demons. Let me ask you this. How do you think her life was going before Jesus came along? Being possessed by seven demons. You think her life was miserable? Her life was miserable. And then Jesus comes along and totally changes her life. Now she has hope. But now he's gone. And she looks in and there's an empty tomb. And what's she saying? They took my hope. (laughs) And I don't know where they've put it. You know, that's really a question that comes up right there. See, Mary's thinking, I don't know what my future's like without Jesus. So let me ask you the question. What's your future like without Jesus? What is hope? Verse 14 and 15. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Notice a little bit of the redundancy there? (laughs) 
the angels first ask her, why, why are you crying? Why are you weeping? And so Jesus is now there. She doesn't recognize him at first, but he asks her the same question. Why are you weeping? But then Jesus adds something. He says, whom are you seeking? Two really good questions. Why are you weeping? In this life, in this life, do we ever shed any tears? <laughs> do we ever weep? And in the midst of those days when the world seems dark, do we ever stop and ask ourselves, why? This may be an appropriate question at this time. Why are you weeping? <laughs> but back to us. When those dark days come, and sometimes we feel like grieving, do we ever ask ourselves, why? Why am I weeping? And then Jesus says, Whom are you seeking? You know what we would normally say? Why are you crying? And what do you want? What are you seeking? So what's the point? The point is very simply this. The most important answer in life is not found in what. It is found in who. What is hope? The dictionary just simply tells us that hope is desire with expectation of fulfillment. You know, in this life, I may never be rich. Well, I'm rich compared to a lot of people in the world, but I may never be rich compared to Bill Gates. <laughs> in this life, there's a real possibility that we can suffer these kind of things where my body is broken. In this world, it's a real possibility. People will let me down. In this world, it's a real possibility I'll fail. I'll let myself down. And I'll never find that fulfillment. So where do I look? Why is John telling Mary to look again? And why is John suggesting that he and Peter looked once and they missed it? And so John is saying, hey, if you've looked in that tomb and you didn't see it, you need to take the time, stop, stoop down, and look again. Now tell me what you see. Do you see hope? Let me give you this illustration. Colby would be familiar with this guy. You ever heard of a guy by the name of Bobby Knight? <laughs> Anybody that's got any interest in sports or basketball knows who Bobby Knight is. Bobby Knight was the coach at the University of Indiana. He had great teams. 
Went to the finals, I don't know how many times. I don't know if he ever won a national championship or not. Did he? He won a national championship. Legendary coach. Great basketball coach. His players, they said, had a very high rate of graduation from college. So Bobby Knight was looked upon as a legendary coach, but he was legendary for other things too, wasn't he, Colby? I remember watching the game where he took a folding chair and threw it across the basketball court. There would be times when Bobby Knight would be stomping up and down the sidelines and he would be yelling at everybody in sight. He'd be yelling at players, he'd be yelling at other coaches, he'd be yelling at officials. So don't get in his way. So he could be legendary for his temper tantrums. Bobby Knight wrote a book. You want to know the title of his book? The title of Bobby's book was The Power of Negative Thinking. You know, a lot of times we're looking for the power of positive thinking. Bobby Knight writes a book entitled The Power of Negative Thinking. And you know what he said in that book? He said hope is one of the worst words in all of English language. He said hope is ridiculous. He goes hope is for foolish people. Hope is for people who are lazy. Hope is what people use when they tell themselves, oh, everything's going to be all right. Bobby Knight says, it's not going to just be all right. He follows that up by saying, if it's going to be all right, then somebody has to do something. And if somebody does something, then it'll be all right. You know what Bobby was saying? He was saying hope has to have a foundation. Hope has to have something to stand on. And if it's got something to stand on, somebody to stand on, then things will be all right. He said, until then, it's just wishful thinking. But when you have a foundation, then you have hope. So Jesus asked Mary, why are you weeping? Whom? Whom are you seeking? What Bobby is saying, what Jesus is saying, his hope is found in who? 15 through 17. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to, her, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me, where have you laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them, 
I am ascending to my Father and to your Father and to my God and your God. Jesus says to her, Mary. And there's something in the sound of his voice. And the way he says her name. And now her heart's open. Now her eyes are open. And she says to him, Rabboni. And the meaning of that is teacher. You see what John's saying? Now Jesus is teaching her. You looked in that grave before and you didn't see it. And now your teacher is standing here. What you didn't see before is now standing right in front of you. When you looked inside of that grave and it was empty, (laughs) hallelujah! And that what it should have been? It's just like he said it would be. Hope is alive. But instead they looked in and it's empty. And they can't see it. And now Jesus appears to her and says, Mary. And she says, teacher. Now he's back. And now she has hope. But now she wants to cling to him. And he says, don't cling to me. Because I have not yet ascended to my father and to your father. She had stared at the evidence. And she had missed it. Peter and John had stared at the evidence. And they missed it. And so Jesus says, whom are you seeking? And then he calls her name. And she says, Rabboni. So Mary goes then, verse 18, and she tells the others. And then all the disappointment has now changed. And now when Mary sees Jesus, he's more real than he's ever been. He's more powerful, more glorious than she's ever known him before. Because with the resurrection, everything changes. See, they had seen Jesus as the Lamb. And now they see him as the lion who has overcome death. And now they see him as the one who's stronger than death. He's stronger than evil. He's stronger than anything that can happen to you in life. He's stronger than a Roman cross. And death has been defeated. And that changes everything. And so Mary goes to the disciples and she says, I have seen the Lord. And she told them the things that he, that he had said to her. And now she knows. Hope is a hoop. And so John is saying, look again. If you're looking for hope, 
You need to know where to look for it. You find it in an empty tomb. Because hope is a who, it's not a what. I'll read this passage to you and we'll close with this. 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, which deals with the resurrection. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 at verse 21. Paul writes, For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. You know what Paul's saying? He says in Adam all night. What he's saying essentially is this world went wrong. We went wrong. And we needed hope. And you know how we were going to have hope? It's like Bobby Knight said. If you want to have hope, somebody has got to. Somebody has got to step up and do something. And Jesus was that somebody. And he did something. He came to this world. And he lived as the sinless, perfect Son of God. And the resurrection proves it. The resurrection proves that he was that spotless lamb that paid the price our sins and the resurrection proves that this life is not all there is and beyond this life we'll live again I said that was the last passage I said there's one more John chapter John chapter 11 because once again John adds to the other gospels John 11 21 through 27 Jesus comes to the home of Mary and Martha. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Jesus is saying, your hope, your hope is found in me. That's what he said. I am the resurrection. Do you believe this? And even though you live, and you die. You believe that, you shall live again. Hope is not found in what? It's found in who. And that changes everything. Extend the invitation this morning to any and all that are here. If you've never rendered obedience of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it was Jesus Himself who said that He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. If you've never done that, we'd encourage you to do that this very day. If you're a child of God and you need to come back and make your life right with Him, you let us know while together we stand and while we sing.